Hello and welcome to a recording of our Ascension Day service. My name is James Eaton Challoner, a Methodist minister based in Shrewsbury. And I'd like to thank my colleague, Pastor Jacob Molyneux, for providing the music for this service. So shout for joy, sing songs of praise, for God reigns over all the earth. God has gone up with a shout, sound the trumpets and sing songs of praise. So I'm indebted uh, once again to Jacob for his, um, for his music. So we will sing, or you can sing if you like. You are all muted, so please feel free to, to um, sing as loudly as you want to. But we will sing. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Church is one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. Called out from every nation, yet one through all the earth. A charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth. One holy name she blesses and shares one holy food. As to one hope she presses with every grace endued. In toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed. At last the church victorious shall be the church at rest. Yet she on earth has union with God the three in one And mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one Oh happy ones and holy, Lord give us grace that we With them the meek and lowly in heaven your face shall see God the Most High, more majestic than the thunders of mighty waters, to you be all glory and praise. Your Son, our Saviour, reigns with you in heaven, the man of love, the crucified, risen, ascended and glorious. 
through the life-giving spirit, we bless and adore you, God the Most High, through Christ our Lord, to you be all praise and glory. Amen. We recognise that our lives do not always match up to the pattern that our Saviour taught us. So we come to God asking for forgiveness. So forgive us, Father of glory, the narrowness of our vision, our preoccupation with immediate needs, and our feeble sense of things eternal. Forgive us that we so often look up to heaven, our mouths open, waiting for response when the response has already been given to us. And forgive us that we still fear we still are afraid to speak your name. And forgive our timid witness. So renew us by your spirit. Lift our eyes to see the glory of Jesus. May we know his words of grace that our sins are forgiven. Amen. So, unsurprisingly, the readings are from Acts and from the end of Luke's Gospel, but I'm actually going to um, do something that you're not supposed to do, which is read the Gospel reading first, because some people get quite twitchy about that, but we'll, you'll know in a minute why I'm doing it. So Luke 24, verses 44 through to 53. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms and the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and I said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands. He blessed them while he was blessing them. He withdrew from them and was carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. And the first 11 verses from the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over the course of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Thanks be to God for his word today. Amen. One of the problems with Ascension Day is we get really um, worked up or we, we, we get really focused and fixated on what actually happened. Not that Jesus went to heaven, but the um, mechanism by which he went to heaven. And perhaps at the very outset, it's important to say that Luke, when he wrote the Acts of the Apostles and also Luke's Gospel, for they form one, one um, sort of what one link, one book. Luke was trying to describe something that is indescribable. He was trying to use language which was fairly, and is fairly limited to describe something that is supernatural. Perhaps the best way of thinking about this is if you were to explain, try to explain to your grandparents what we're doing now or how we're meeting now, you might struggle a little bit. We all meet together and we see our pictures on little screens or we can hear our voices through telephones. So trying to describe something that has no, that, that, that we can't really understand is one of the issues with the ascension. But let's just move across that and, after, uh, and away from that for a moment. Ascension day is a day when the disciples say a final, and this time it is final, goodbye to their friend Jesus. We're approaching the end of the Easter season. And in um, week on Sunday, we'll celebrate Pentecost. And Ascension represents a change. Clearly, it's a change for the disciples because their friend, their mentor, their teacher, their Lord is, has gone. So their lives, having once been transformed by meeting Jesus and called by Jesus and then being transformed again, 
by meeting the risen Christ are transformed once again. And they'll have to face the world without their friend. And that account from Acts is the second account of the liftoff of Jesus, as it were. And there are more details in the story from Acts than there are from Luke's gospel. In Acts, we're told that as Jesus disappears into heaven or the cloud or whatever we want to how we want to say it, they watch Jesus. The disciples watch Jesus as he disappears into the wild blue yonder. And if we put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples, perhaps we can understand why they felt so lost and alarmed. By the time of the ascension, you think they kind of got it all figured out. That maybe they thought that like when a star player returns after injury to a sports team. Maybe they thought that Jesus' return meant that they were now to full strength again. He's back, he's back, he's back. Luke reminds us, if we go just prior to that account from his gospel, that Jesus shows up more and more frequently during the time between his resurrection and the ascension, sometimes seeming to walk through locked doors sometimes showing off his wounds. But he was also showing up for meals, meals on the beach. He was walking alongside people. He was interacting with his disciples. And as Jesus turns up each time after the resurrection, the disciples are trying to come to a conclusion about what this really means. And as he turns up more and more often, perhaps they get more and more excited that actually Jesus is finally going to stick around. Because they're probably anxious for things to get back to the way they were before. Although with the resurrection from the dead, then surely nobody will be able to not believe what Jesus. They thought that all was lost, but Jesus came back. What might that mean for their future? There'd be no more little speaking engagements. There'd be no more um, speaking to small groups that they will be finally going around with Jesus. And there'd be crowds will be out there and lots of people will be paying attention. But the trouble is the disciples like us, weren't very good at listening. They had it in their heads that things would go back to normal, or not normally exactly, but a, but a more exciting way of normal. Maybe they thought the decision they made three years prior to follow Jesus was finally starting to pay off. Maybe they thought that the promises that Jesus had made, or they thought he'd made, and the promises scripture made about the Messiah, that he'd free Rome, would finally, finally come to pass. Free from Rome would finally come to pass. 
But Jesus goes back to his father. So the disciples are standing there, wide-eyed, mouths gaping. Before that, you can imagine the anticipation in their voices as they say, Lord, are you now going to make everything all right? Are you going to restore the kingdom? Is it you that's going to do this now? What are you going to do? If you learn a new skill or a hobby or an instrument, or even learn a new technicality about having to deal with all this and being told that you're on mute and you shouldn't be on mute and all that sort of stuff. You can do as many training courses as you want. In my previous life, in it, we used to go on training courses all the time. But it's only when you start to actually do something. It's only when you start to make the mistakes to try to... Um, uh, try to make that thing that you were hoping to make. You've picked up the knitting needles for the first time in ever, and it's only when you make the mistakes that you actually learn. Perhaps the same thing happened on that hill. Are you now restoring the kingdom? They asked Jesus. Perhaps Jesus paused. What Jesus says is, well, it's your turn now. Let's talk about what's going to happen next. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be our witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be empowered, says Jesus. And then he disappears. And the disciples crane their necks and wonder what's going on. Just again, as they'd started to work out what was happening, things changed. They weren't listening to Jesus. Jesus said, go back and wait. And a few moments later, these two angels, these two men in white robes appear and says, why are you looking up? Why are you craning your necks? You're not accomplishing anything by standing around. You are the witnesses. You are the ones that are to go. And you will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. So go and wait. In our church life, we're not very good at waiting. In our church lives, we think that we need to be doing all the time. But sometimes we are called to wait. But we're not called to wait, gaping, wide-mouthed and wide-eyed, staring into heaven. Because God asks us the same question, why are you standing around? The disciples waited, having been told that, given this promise, that the Holy Spirit would appear. 
So perhaps in these times when life is difficult, when we're not sure about what the future brings, both in our general lives and in the church, we wait, but we don't wait wide eyes and gaping mouths. We wait with expectation that God still has a purpose for his people. We wait with expectation that God will still call us, even though things are different. Just as the disciples were still called, even though things were different. So perhaps in this time of waiting, we want to stand staring at the sky. But perhaps spending some time listening to what God wants. So that when we come to a point where we are no longer waiting, when we come to the day of Pentecost, the day of lockdown release or whatever that is, then we will be in a position to respond. Amen. And if you can see, oh, sorry, I'll just as an anecdote, if you can see, if you've got, see my screen or whatever, but the, the, it's very hard to represent the ascension in art. So if you go to lots of sort of quite sort of high, high Catholic churches, and it was quite common in the Middle Ages, but if you go to say um, the, the Catholic shrine at Walsingham, you'll see pictures of feet coming down from the, um, from the ceiling, because actually that's the best way that they had to, uh, and if you go into York Minster and look at the bosses, there are bosses with just feet hanging down, because that's the only way that the artist then and indeed now could actually think about and represent something that is unrepresentable. So let's sing. He is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead and he is Lord. He is love, 
that shown us by his life that he is love. All his people sing with one voice of joy that Jesus Christ is love. So we come now to our prayers of intercession. So let us pray. Let us pray for the world to which Jesus called us to go, preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Risen and ascended Christ, in whom the scriptures are fulfilled. You called your disciples to be your witnesses in all the world. Help us to declare the good news of your love to our generation. Proclaiming repentance and your gift of forgiveness. Fill us and all your church with your Holy Spirit and make us worthy to stand before you in your heavenly kingdom. Equip us to work in your service and build up your body on earth. Amid the conflicts of the present age, the injustice of war, individual acts of terror, greed, hatred, help us to live your peace. Help us to be the peacemakers, the reconcilers, the ones to bring your hope to a suffering world. Grant us the will to use the gifts that we have in any way that you call us and announce your coming kingdom as we glorify your name. Equip us to work in your service and build up your body on earth. We pray for the people of your world-loving God. May they grow in the knowledge of you. 
Bless, we pray, those who are sick or distressed. Bless, we pray, those who mourn. Bless, we pray, those who are uncertain about the future, their future, their livelihood. And bless all for whom the current situation is exacerbating existing mental health issues. And in this Mental Health Awareness Week, we do pray for all with mental health problems, those who are anxious, those who are depressed. And in the silence of our hearts or out loud, for God hears both. We remember those people, places and situations that are weighing heavily upon us today. Grant all who are facing difficulties your comfort and hope and strengthen each one of us to serve them. Lead us in humility, gentleness and patience as we lift our eyes to you, O Christ. Help us to be forbearing with one another and to speak the truth in love. And at the start of this period between now and Pentecost, when many Christians in hundreds of countries across the world are praying for thy kingdom to come. We pray that your church might be a beacon of hope, of love and of truth. And that more people might come to know the wonder of a relationship with our living Saviour. So help each one of us to glorify your name. And may we come at last to your heavenly kingdom where the faithful disciples of every age will gather at your throne. Equip us to work in your service and build up your body on earth. So hear the prayers that we offer and guide each footstep as we follow you. And we join our prayers, spoken and unspoken, and the prayers that we dare not bring, but which the Holy Spirit utters on our behalf. We bring them to God as we join in the words that Jesus gave us, praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen so thank you for sharing your time um i'll um after the grace so what will happen is we'll sing we'll, we'll sing or we'll hear or you can sing um then that'll unmute everyone then we'll have the usually chaotic grace sharing which is fine um and then as usual i'll keep things a bit open so um thank you for your time and thank you for coming and um what's really good is this is the best this is the best attended ascension day service i think i've ever preached at so um so thank you thank you for that or have a led anyway so God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. He said, freely, freely, you have received, freely, freely give. Go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I live. God forgave my sin. I've been born again in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name I come to you to share his love as he told me to. He said, freely, freely, you have received. spirit is poured out upon us to make our hearts strong with love and bold with praise 
that we may proclaim God's Son to the ends of the earth. And may the glory of God fill you with praise, the beauty of Christ strengthen you in service, and the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with peace. Amen. <laughs>